Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord, especially our visitors. How many visitors do we have in this service? Can I see your hands? I know we have three or four over here, five, six, maybe more than that with the children. Let's give them a welcome. Now for you visitors, we're here at 9, 11 o'clock on Sunday. We have great, powerful children and ministry on Sunday. Uh, on Wednesday, we're here at 6.30, great word teaching, ministry, worship, youth ministry, Dan and Kelly, awesome time. If you have a church, stay where you are. But if you don't have a church, stay where you are, because we'd like to have you right here. Now let's welcome them like we never want them to leave. We are glad you are with us. Let's make our confession. The Word of God is so true. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My mind is ready to receive. You can be seated. Guess, guess which one of us doesn't have it memorized yet. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's good to have all of you here. I want to give you a quick praise report on Christians United for Israel. Pam and I and some others in the church were at a, a meeting in Washington, D.C. Pam and I have been blessed. Don't know how it happened, but, uh, but I give God all the glory to be the state directors for CUFI, and it's a real honor. I haven't really done anything in that role, but, but we, we are filling the role for them. But Christians United for Israel is an organization now started about 12 years ago that now has 3.5 million members out of just a vision that Pastor Hagee had. Uh, in the state of Indiana, we're over 25,000 members right now. And I encourage all of you to go online, CUFI, and to look at the membership. It doesn't cost you anything to be involved, but every believer in the world should be part of praying for, believing for, and supporting the nation of Israel. All of the keynote speakers were absolutely, unbelievably awesome. I love Colonel Allen West, who was there, and he said some things that I can't even say to you. I love his language, glory to God, but I can't even repeat them here. But, but uh, it was really awesome. Uh, and and uh, the, for me, the, the most powerful speaker there was uh, Vice President Pence, our former governor, awesome man of God. And he made an announcement. He had just come from the president. And he said, I've just spoken with the president, and he has okayed me to make this announcement. And that is that it is not a question of whether or not the embassy for the United States of America is going to be in Jerusalem. It isn't a question of if it's going to happen. The only question is when we're going to do it. We are moving the American embassy to the eternal capital of the Israeli people, the city of Jerusalem. We need to give the Lord a hand for that. That's something that has needed to be done for many, many years. Jerusalem belongs to the people of God because it's God's city. Okay, turn to your name and tell them, I just love to laugh. We're going to be talking about, uh, about a couple of things today and, and the abundance that God wants you to have. But first, I want us to pray for... Um, uh, 
Ty, uh, Morgan's husband Ty, his brother uh, unexpectedly went home to be with the Lord, and we need to lift up Betty Simpson, who's undergoing a fight in her life. How many of you need healing in your body? Father, you see every hand that is lifted, and I pray healing in the name of Jesus. There is no distance in the realm of the Spirit. I know that you desire to heal people today just as you did when the woman walked with the issue of blood. And we lift up Betty to you and fighting that fight of cancer. We lift up others that are fighting those diseases of the blood. And, and, and we just speak healing in Jesus' name. We bind the work of the devil. Father, we thank you that, uh, the, that you will be there to comfort Ty's family and the brother's family and, and that, Lord, somehow the peace of God will be there that will surpass all understanding. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, I want to share a couple of things with you I read here. I thought it was kind of cute. Uh, this is, uh, it, it has to do with marriage. How many of you are married? Can I see your hands? Okay, you can relate to this, especially you wives. The child was a typical four-year-old, very cute, inquisitive, bright as a new penny when she expressed difficulty in grasping the concept of marriage. Her father decided to pull out the wedding album, the photo album, thinking that the visual image would help her. One page after another, he pointed out the bride arriving at the church, the entrance, the wedding ceremony, the recessional, the reception. And then finally he turned to the little girl and he said, now, now do you understand, honey? She said, well, Dad, I, I think so. Is that when mommy came to work for us? <laughs> okay, now let me see the hands. My wife, she's not in here. My wife loves to go for rides. When her dad was, when she was young, her dad would always take these girls. There she is. Here she comes. Would, would, would go for, uh, <laughs> look like a vaudeville actor, whatever. <laughs> Pam loves to go for rides. She is a cheap date. The inexpensive, inexpensive date. Inexpensive. She doesn't. She doesn't have to be wined and dined. Uh, you know, she's she's she likes to go for rides. And uh, so all of us know what it's like to go for a ride with our mates sometimes. And just a beautiful day and everything is going great and all. And then all of a sudden somebody says something and you know you have a disagreement and things happen. They, I'm sure it never happens in your marriage, but. <laughs> Once upon a time, it did in ours. So anyway, uh, th this is the story of husband and wife going for a drive. Now, I can relate to this because I think I'm funny all the time. My wife doesn't, but I do. So that's where our problem comes in. So this couple is, is I can relate to this. They're driving down the road, and, and they get into a little disagreement, a little bit of an argument, and they just decide that you know, they're just going to drive and not talk to one another. So they've driven several miles, and they haven't talked to one another and haven't said much at all. And finally, the husband decided to break the ice, and they drove by a barnyard where there was a bunch of mules and dirty pigs in there and just playing around and everything. And he turned to his wife and he said, hey, honey, that relative, are these relatives of yours? As I drove by, and the wife quipped very quickly, yep, they're my in-laws. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of John chapter 10. We're going to start reading there and and the word of the Lord today is that living the abundant life that God has called us to be. There's my beautiful wife. Glory to God. Did you hear the end of that? The, the, uh, oh, no. 
I, I could almost tell you the only thing she remember from that story is a cheap date. <laughs> no, I said, what I meant was, I don't, I don't know why I said it, but you're very inexpensive. Your dad used to take you out by the airport and go out into the wherever and say, find the airport, Pam. And Pam would follow the planes and find the airport. She still likes to follow planes. Really, when we go places, you'll say, there's a plane. There's got to be an airport nearby. Okay, John chapter 10, verse 10. We're going to be talking about living the abundant life and the law of attraction. Now, in the world, in positive thinking and things of that nature, there is a theory called the law of attraction, and it does work. What you constantly think about, what you constantly meditate on, you will pull and attract to you. And that's why your mind is so important. You don't do anything without the cooperation of your mind. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's your problem. You don't do anything without the cooperation of your mind, good or bad. And if you understand how this works, this law of attraction, whatever you, attra whatever you are attracting is because you're focused upon that. But if you're focused upon the things of God, you're always going to attract the promises of God. The Word of God is settled. It is already settled. We have it. We are going from glory to glory, from miracle to miracle, every single one of us can look back in our past, we can see mountain after mountain. I love that song that has been removed. We're going from victory every moment of the day. But if you don't get your attraction out there where it needs to be, you can become attracted. Some people call it distraction, but disattraction. But I, but I call it attraction. There's attraction going on all of the time, all of the time in your wife. Turn to your person next to you and, uh, and, and just tell them you're constantly attracted. You're driving down the road. You're attracted to a, a billboard sign. You're attracted to a thought. You're attracted to individuals, situations, circumstances, things like that. And if you understand how this works, it'll change your life. But if you don't, then you'll go through life thinking that there are problems that are confronting you, but the real problem is you are being attracted in the wrong direction. All of us have done that. How many of you have ever been lost just going down a road because you went the wrong direction? Let's look at John chapter 10. verse. <laughs> my wife said, please raise your hand, honey. <clears throat> I've, I've said I've never, I'm never lost. I've just found a new way to get there. <clears throat> the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. Everybody said, that's the devil. But I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. So the word has settled the issue. We have the abundant life. Let's say, I have the abundant life. It doesn't matter what we see, although we should see that we have the abundant life. I have the abundant life. I can look around and find something that doesn't look like it, but why would I do that? That would be like shooting yourself in the foot. So let's all say it again. I have the abundant life. Only question is whether or not we're going to live it and whether we're going to program our mind to follow the spiritual aspect of what God has already given us. Now, this is what abundance means, parisos. It means superabundance, excessive. We should have it up there somewhere, I think, on the screen. Uh, do we have it? Uh, we do not have it. Okay. Is there, well, let's have it for the second service. Uh, uh, Superabundance, uh, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. Can you say amen? amen. Now let's read it all over again. 
Jesus said, I have come so that you might have superabundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient life in your life. Can you say amen to that? Now, if you don't get excited about that, then you can say, oh, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. You're attracted to the wrong thing. You should be attracted to the Word of God because the Word of God attracts the promises of God. There is the devil out there trying to attract you. There is the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit trying to attract you. What you're attracted to will determine your definition. Definition, the law of attraction... Oh, there it is. Glory to God. Give him a hand, because nobody messes up back there on purpose. No, give him a bigger hand than that. <laughs> nobody messed up, but there it is right there. Okay, now, the law of attraction is this. Do we have that one? <laughs> the law of attraction. I attract to myself what I give my focus, attention, thought, and energy to something that appeals to my desire. What appeals to my desire? The abundant life of Jesus. What appeals to my desire? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But there are other things appealing to my desire. I don't have enough money like I thought I would. Well, I have sickness and disease infiltrating my body, and I have healing. You see how you can attract to either one? You can start to move. Danny Jones. Danny, have you been attracted both both places recently? Danny got a really bad report. You're fighting what? A fight of faith. To hold on to what you believe is the will of God, which is to heal Danny. But the doctors have said otherwise that this is a possibility. So now Danny can be attracted to what the doctors have said or he can be attracted to what the Word of God says. Danny says, I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Can we say amen to that? And pretty soon, you start to attract the healing power of Jesus into your body because you walk by faith and not by sight, and you stand on what the Word of God says. I had lunch the other day with Dan. Dan is an encourager. You all ought to have lunch with Dan sometime. And I said something to Dan that was just an unguarded moment about something, and he said, well, what would you tell me in that situation? <laughs> and, uh, and then he said, what did God tell you? And uh, I said, thank you, Dan. <laughs> Give Dan a hand. I appreciate that. I appreciate people that want to live based on what God said not what somebody else thinks. And I'm going to give you, in the few moments that we have left here, just, just an overview of what it means to live the, the life that God has called you to, to live. John 15, 7 and 8, this is, this is settled. You know how the Supreme Court will say, this is settled law. We have made a decision, and this is settled law. We voted five to four, and now this is settled law. Well, God has voted, and he has settled the law. And Jesus, his son, said this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done. Herein is my Father glorified. Let's all say it. That attraction is settled. 
that means that we abide in him, we become one with him, we're quarreled about with him. Everything we do is based on what God said. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. I'm going to paraphrase it real quickly, but he told, when, when he asked uh, Peter, and Peter told him who he was, and he said, you know, you, you said, right, Peter, that's exactly, my father has revealed this to you. Now I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys represent authority. Tell your neighbor, I have authority. It was established back to us through the death of Jesus, of Jesus and his resurrection. If Jesus lives in your heart, you have authority. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound on earth. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on earth. And the same thing in heaven. And therefore, we, where the warfare is in the heavenlies. So we have the power to bind and loose. Danny, I know you're going through a situation where you have to bind thoughts that come your mind, to your mind. You have to bind them and say, I refuse to think that. That thought is trying to attract me to go the wrong direction. I'm going to die. I could die in six months. I could die in one year. How about you could live in six months and you could live in one year and the blessings of God are going to come and overtake you and I'll die when I get good and ready, but right now i got work to do so I'm not going to. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'll determine when I die. And that you get to the point in your life when you say the word of God said it, that settles the issue. I can bind, I can lose. What I have found in my life is a lot of people don't understand this principle works. If you bind something, a thought that comes against you contrary to the word of God, it goes away. If you meditate it, it'll overtake you. It'll pull you right down that path because like attracts like. The law of attraction works. It works all of the time. And you might say, well, where's God because my mind is all messed up? God is where he's always been. You're messed up because you allow yourself to be messed up. Turn to your neighbor and say, and I came for this. If you're messed up, you're the problem. No, you don't know what's happening to me. The way you attract the promises of God in relationship to what's happening to you will determine your victory. The victory's already been given to you. But if you let it get you down and you start looking at things like, oh my goodness, I can't do this, I can't do that, you start getting into the distraction. We call it distraction sometimes. But it's not really a distraction, it is an attraction. You're going down the road and you're thinking, you know, my God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And how many of you realize you have a lot of thoughts that come your way? You've heard me share this over the years, I'm sure. I read this in a book, never counted them. I know I don't qualify for this many thoughts, but it says the average person gets about 30,000 thoughts a day. How many of you realize if you think in 30,000 thoughts a day, some of them really are bad? You need to get rid of them quickly. If you got 20,000, now this is the math test. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're taking a math test. Is that Sam or Joe? Sam just went like this, a math test. <laughs> we're taking a math test. If you think 30,000 thoughts a day, if that's true, how many of you could just say 10,000 of them could be from the enemy trying to get me attracted? Is it? If that's true, and let's use 10,000 thoughts, how many thoughts do you have to cast down? And how many thoughts do you have to bind? Very good. 10,000. Awesome job, honey. 10,000. You've got to bind every thought that comes your way contrary to the Word of God. If you don't do it, you will be drawn to it 
But really and truly what you're doing is you're drawing it to you. You will draw everything to you that you allow yourself to meditate. You're going to draw it and draw it and draw it. That's why the Word of God in Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a, as a man thinks, so is he, so is he. We get to the point when we are living the Word of God day in and day out. Now, let me give you three things that, you're attra- that should be your attraction. Number one, the Word of God. Number two, Jesus. And number three, the Holy Spirit. The Word of God. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, man should live by every word that proceeds to the mouth of God. How many words? Every word. So whatever God said, that's how we live. Then we get to the point when we understand, okay, I could do that. Jesus should be the center of our attention, our attraction. Word of God says, focus upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What does Jesus have to say about this? Not a book you read, not something that somebody told you. What does Jesus have to say about this? Because he's the final authority. Jesus said, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Jesus said, I can have anything I ask in his name. Jesus said, everybody say, Jesus said. Say it again. Say it again. It's not Benny Hinn said. It's not Kenneth Copeland said. It's not, it's not somebody else said. It is what did Jesus say about this situation? And then we feed that and download that into our mind, and that is the way it is. Now, let me show you how the law of attraction works, just to share a few of them with you. Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. What happened to Eve? She got attracted by the devil's words. She knew that she should not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because on that day she was told she would die. But the devil came along and said, look at that tree. And then when she looked at it, the devil said it would be desirable. And she repeated what the devil said. How many of you know that you sometimes repeat what the devil says? When you repeat what the devil says, you you attract the the demonic forces into your life. You attract them. And she said, well, yeah, that tree is desirable. So what she did, she compromised the entire human race that God gave us the victory because she was attracted to a thought that was contrary to the word of God. How many times are we attracted to a thought that is contrary to the word of God? One attraction. Do you know it only takes you a second to be attracted to something? a second to be attracted to something. And then if you take that attraction and you let that download into your mind, you'll follow that. Second example I want to give you, King David. King David was a man after God's own heart. I think I shared this last Wednesday, uh, this particular example. King David was a man after God's own heart. King David looked out, I think it's uh, 1 Chronicles 11.1, I'm not positive, I think that's it. Uh, King David looked out and saw Bathsheba getting ready to take a bath. Supposedly, she had her clothes off. That's what everybody would think. And Jesus, uh, uh, excuse me, and King David was attracted to her. Now, it's not the initial attraction that's the problem. It's the dwelling upon the attraction. We have all seen things. How many of you have all seen things you were attracted, you had an attraction, it's like I'm getting rid of that attraction right now because if I go any further with that, I'm going to have trouble. That's what King David should have done. But he didn't. He meditated, meditated, meditated. He downloaded that into his mind, and then he acted upon it. You act upon everything that you think. You say, no, I don't. 
If you think it long enough, you will act upon it because you're attracting it. That's why people are fearful. People who are fearful attract fear, and they're trying to get delivered from it, and you already are. Turn to your neighbor and say, you already are. We're already delivered through Jesus. We aren't, we aren't subject to the bondage of the devil. We're subject to the Word of God and attracted to the Word of God. Then you got Joshua. This is one that happens to a lot of people. Joshua 7, 3. First battle of Ai, God, Joshua's a man after God's own heart. All he wants to do is what God says. He gets ready after the battle of Jericho to go up to the next battle, and, and, and all of a sudden a friend comes along. How many of you got friends that give you advice? Can I see your hands? All of us have somebody somewhere. How many of you realize some of your friends can give you some of the worst advice you've ever heard? They'll try to placate you and try to get around you. You've got to be careful who you listen to. But in Joshua chapter 7, verse 3, the people said, Joshua, you don't need to... Now, now I'm paraphrasing, so tell your neighbors, he is paraphrasing. The friends to Joshua and the leaders said, Joshua, you don't need to send all these people out. It's no big deal. They're a piece of cake for us. We just annihilated Josh, uh, Jericho, and we'll do the same thing here. And what happens is he listened to them, and they got beat. And they got beat because he attracted the wrong thing into his leadership. He attracted somebody else's leading what somebody else thought instead of what God thought. We're to live by every thought, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If Joshua had asked God what to do, God would have told him. If, God, if you ask God what to do about your situation, God will tell you what to do about your situation. Next battle of Ai, God turned it around for Joshua because Joshua sought after God. Mary and Martha, one of, the, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, I share on this a lot. Mary and Martha, they're sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to the words of Jesus, and all of a sudden, now they're both there at the feet of Jesus. All of a sudden, Martha has a thought, and Martha is attracted to the thought. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you'll always be attracted to your dominant thoughts. You'll always be attracted, and you will attract them to you. So Martha, instead of staying there and listening to Jesus, here's the, she started getting this thought. Somebody's not washing the dishes. Somebody's not taking care of the house. Somebody needs to sweep. These guys have messed up my house. I got, I got a cluttered house. The Son of God is sitting there teaching, and she wants to clean house. Turn to your name and tell them that's not the right time. And so finally, she said to Jesus, don't you care? I don't even think Jesus probably noticed that. But even don't you care that she's not doing anything? And he says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled. This is where a lot of people are in the body of Christ, and they don't even know it. They're worried and they're troubled because their mind, like radar, is picking up attractive thoughts. Well, I've got a right to be worried. Well, I understand why I'm troubled. Well, this didn't go right. And they constantly rehearse things that are going on that are contrary to the will of God. When I'm around people like that, they just make me jittery. Glory to God. I just want to interfere in their life with love and say, with love, are you aware that you are attracting every demonic force that is available at this moment into your mind? I am feeling them come by me and I got to vacate this place. Turn to your neighbor and say, it'll soon be over. Now, what we've got to do is understand we have the victory in our life. Now, we're but worry, fear, anxiety, and self-seeking are everywhere in people's lives and sometimes even in the body of Christ. I understand it in the world, but not in the body of Christ. Let's all say, I have the victory. We have abundance. We're going from glory to glory. Jesus said, don't worry about anything. If Jesus said, don't worry about anything, what should we worry about? 
Nothing. Because if we worry, we attract worry into our life. We attract. The law of attraction works. The devil is the author of worry. The Word of God says that we should not fear about anything. The Word of God says we should never be anxious for anything. It says in Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious for anything. Anxiety is a distraction in and of itself. But if we're attracted to anxiety, a lot of people are anxious, and the reason they're anxious is because they're looking at negative things and attracting, attracting, attracting. Let's just say that the law of attraction works. 2 Timothy 1.7. I hope the person doesn't mind who I say, share this about, but I'm not going to tell you who they were. I was somewhere in an elevator, and this person was in the elevator, and they said, I am afraid. They have said, and I, and I responded quickly, not too compassionately, but probably too quickly. I said, you are not afraid. You do not have a spirit of fear. And they said, I don't have a spirit of fear, but power alone is not mine. And I, and I had interceded in an area where maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have gotten, but it, time is short. Turn your neighbor and say, time is short. It's really time to jerk the slack out. It's time to jerk the slack out. And uh, but we don't have a spirit of fear. I don't understand why people would want to attract fear if they knew what they were doing. I just feel so fearful. Come on, devil. Come and get me. Come and get me. Make me feel bad about myself. Come on. Come on. No, no, no. Fear is demonic. Everybody say, fear is demonic. Whatever you are afraid of is a demonic stronghold in your life that will come and go whenever it wants to go. And you think you can control fear? You can't control fear. You've got to get rid of fear. Fear is demonic. Fear, we don't, we don't have a spirit of fear. We have power, love, and a sound mind. What makes you afraid? We went to do parasailing down in Florida, and uh, Joey was, thought he was afraid of heights until we, uh, uh, what did we do, cajoled him? What, that's not the right word I'm looking for. How many, of you realize, how many of you realize if you make fun of somebody long enough, they'll probably do what you want? It's not the best spiritual principle, but we did it with Joey. Got him out on a boat, got him to the paras, and we're all going parasailing, and Joey's the last one up. And, uh, and so, and, and, and Joe was a white knuckle. He didn't want to go, but we, 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 we forced him. And, and so anyway, we're out there. It's John, Elizabeth, me, Joey, and somebody else. And so Joey's last. They get ready to take Joey up, and they have the, on this tether or whatever, whatever that's called this line. You go so far out, and then you go further like that. And they took him up as far as they could go, and I think they knew that he was a little bit nervous, and they said, should we let him up any further? And we all said, yes, yes, let him as far as we'll go. <laughs> So they took him out as far as it would go. Well, when he finally got back, he said, Did they take me out further than you guys? They said, wow, we don't know. <laughs> but this is why. He didn't want to go. He did not want to go on that right. He was white-knuckled all the way. He got back down in that boat. And this is what he said. Wow, did you see the view up there? We'd already gone before him. Did you see that view? That is awesome. I want to do that again. Now, see, it isn't that you have to do a parasail. You have to use your own right mind and have discernment. But if you're afraid of something, you got a problem. You can't not ever back away from something because of fear. You got discernment, God telling you not to do it, don't do it. But don't you ever, ever, ever confess, I have fear. I'm afraid. Because you are opening yourself up and attracting the devil. He will live in your mind. He will live in your mind for the rest of your life, and he'll stop you from being what God wants you to be. I just 
despise that spirit of fear and anger, uh, uh, and not anger, that's what's coming out of me. <laughs> I despise that too. <laughs> okay, that's what we got here. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 16. You'd never take this scripture this way, but I guarantee you, James 3.16 says, where there's self-seeking people, uh, there will be every evil work. When you take a message like this and say, you know what? I just don't believe that. I just don't believe you can live without fear. I don't believe you can live without worry. I don't believe you can live without anxiety. You are a self-seeking person. You're trying to put yourself... Self-seeking means people put themselves above the Word of God. You put yourself above the Word of God... You're a self-seeking person. You say, I think it's impossible not to worry. You're a self-seeking person because you're contradicting, just like Eve did, the Word of God. Well, I don't believe anybody can live without fear. You're a self-seeking person. You're putting yourself above the Word of God. You're doing what David did. David knew. David, the reason David sinned like he did and his ministry and his, and his leadership was never restored the way it was before, the reason David did that was because he put what he saw and the attraction he saw above the word of God. God, I know I shouldn't do this, but I'll tell you what, I'm going for it. And it cost him. It cost Uriah. Uriah wasn't too happy about it either. He got mirrored in the process. So we, we've got a thought, we're thought away from being attracted the wrong direction. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not going to do that. Now, how do, we, how do we live and how do we do this? Well, number one, you've got to get the, the, the Word of God in you. You've got to get the Word of God in you so that when you're squeezed, the Word of God comes out. And 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going we're gonna to close there. But also, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it covers everything we just talked about. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Present your body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And then it says, Don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. I'm going to tell you what the perfect will of God is for your life. perfect will of God is for your life is that you will succeed and become everything God's called you to do. Everything that God has shown you in your prayer journal, you will accomplish it. Everything that God has shown you that gets in your way, God will take that thing out of your way. He will remove every mountain in your life. He will give you the mind of Christ to work and operate with. He'll give you the perfect will. He will show you everything that you need to do and know because John chapter 16, verse 13 through 15 says this, that, the, that Jesus, what does it say? Glory to God. Help, help me, honey. John chapter 16, verse 13. Uh, that he will, uh, uh, all true, and i got to look it up. Glory to God. I thought I was moving along there. John, John chapter 16. When the spirit of truth has come, he will lead and guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. He will take what is mine. He will give it to you, and you will have everything that I had on this earth to walk with yourself. Power, authority, and dominion. So whatever God has shown you to do, you are equipped to do it. Because the Holy Spirit is going to show you how to do it. And every asset, every asset that Jesus had, you will have to accomplish his plan and his purpose for your life. So therefore, what are we going to attract? We're going to attract all the promises of God. We're going to attract everything that God has for us. We're going to fill ourselves up on the word of God and, and, and start to think about what God used to do for you. 
Because he'll do it again and again. Let me see the hands of all the people you've seen God work miracles in your life. And he'll do it again and again and again. He will never fail. He'll always come through if you won't get on the wrong road of attraction, but be focused upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Honey, do we, I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do we have that song or not? Okay, my wife said, okay, I, I gave her a five-minute notice. Let's all stand to our feet. There's an old song. It really fits into the song we sang earlier today. This is a really old one. I woke up thinking about this song this morning. He'll do it again and again and again and again and again. If he healed you once, he'll heal you twice. If he took care of your financial needs once, he'll give it again. He'll do it always over and over again and again and again. Because he loves you and because he has positioned the victory for you. Let's just say, I have the victory, I have the victory. and I have abundant life. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? I, I was going to pray. That's all right. No, no, come on. Go ahead. What are you going to do? Pray for me oh. while you're praying for the people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Bow your heads. <laughs> I want to ask you the most important question you'll ever answer. Do you know if you died today, you'd go to be with Jesus? It's what life is all about, helping people find the truth. Without Jesus, your eternal life will not be heaven. But with Jesus, you will have the abundance of eternal life with him. Maybe you're here and you've never acknowledged Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe you've walked away from him like a prodigal son, a prodigal child. But let today be the day that you come home. God loves you. And if you're here and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I know my life is not right with God. I'm going to ask you to slip your hand in the air. We'll take just a moment. Anyone at all? Yes, I see your hand over here, ma'am. Yes, back there in the back. Are there others? You say, pray for me. Now let's all pray this prayer. Both of you that lifted your hands, I'm going to have you come down the altar here right after this service, Sandy and Brad. But let's make this confession right now. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. But today I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. Father, I thank you for those that have prayed that prayer.